Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we have registered psychotherapist Jess Vanderweer with us. Jess is a mom of two and the founder of Our Mama Village. She started Our Mama Village to support parents as they raise emotionally healthy kids and care for their own mental health in the process. Our Mama Village has helped thousands of parents learn how to understand their child's behavior and parent in a way that feels good to them. Today, Jess will be chatting with us about how to raise a respectful, loving child. It's so important to understand your child's emotions, as well as have compassion for your own needs. There are simple methods and techniques you can feel good about using to raise an emotionally intelligent, respectful, and loving child. So let's learn more and welcome Jess. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, Chick Chat. We're so excited to dive into this topic. I hope that you're ready to dive in with us. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Nina, for having me. I've been looking forward. I know we had to reschedule a few times, so I'm so excited we're finally here and we get to chat. Oh, same here. We've been really looking forward to this because this is a topic that, as we were kind of talking about before we were hitting record, like... If you have a toddler, you're like, you know what? They're a sweetheart or, you know, they're a little rough around the edges. Either way, you just want to make sure that you're raising, you know, the best version of themselves and being a loving and respectful child. So I am so excited to pick your brain on this, Jess. But first, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and your experience. So Jess, can you tell us about you and your background and how you came to specialize in parenting? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to share. And first off, I just want to say I had a baby about six months ago, and this is my first podcast that I'm returning to. So thank you for being my first podcast I return to. It's just so much fun to podcast. I love chatting with you and actually being able to talk to real people. This is awesome. My experience, I actually worked with children and family before I even had my own kids. So my oldest is turning six this year. Before I had her, I was working for an agency, a government agency, and I worked as a behavior therapist. And so my job was to work with the kids who had the most complex behavior in our city at the time. And there was only two of us. So the kids that I would usually work with had been through complex trauma, who had dual diagnosis. So often there was a mental health diagnosis along with autism or a secondary diagnosis as well. So we were working with kids who had a lot of complex things going on. And my job was to come in, work with the families. So actually be in a family home. And I would spend sometimes eight hours a day in the family home with the parents, supporting them, giving them tools. And then I would also do a lot of trainings with teachers, staff, police officers, all sorts of different people. So my entry into this world was actually before having my own kids. And I always was so passionate about supporting children and their families. I loved that job so much. And I I worked in that job until I had my first daughter. And my pregnancy with her, I thought since I've already been working with families and parents, I'm ready to go. You know, I, we've been married four years at the time. Like I'm ready to go. But when I was 22 weeks pregnant, I went into preterm labor and was not expecting that. And that really just changed things for me in a huge way. I ended up being on bed rest for the rest of my pregnancy. So it was about four months of bed rest, being at home, really having to watch myself. I had to leave my job suddenly without warning. I had to just be done working because I was on my feet a lot going into homes and schools. 
And this was a huge transition. And so from here, I ended up having a journey of postpartum anxiety. And I looked at all the work that I had previously done, knowing that it was good and really important work, but seeing it from a totally different angle now that I was a mom. And I could see how important it was to have the parental piece and that care for parents as well in the work. So from here, I took a bit of time off from my mat leave. And then I knew I was so passionate after having postpartum anxiety to go back and to do this similar work, but have this core focus of caring for the parents in mind as well. So I actually started my own private practice at this time. I left my government job and I started my own private practice. And I started marrying this concept of this parent's mental health and really understanding that and these reparenting, maybe we'll talk about that today, reparenting journeys that parents go through, as well as children's behavior. And so my approach was to do both. And I started that private practice, yeah, about six years ago now. I actually still have a private practice. I now have six therapists that work for me. I don't see clients one-on-one anymore, but we still have that private practice. And then from there, I started Our Mama Village as well. I thought to myself, I'm a therapist. I have all this experience. How did I not feel prepared for parenthood? So at the time, six years ago, there was not really anyone posting about it online. It was very new. I started an Instagram page and I thought, well, if this helps a couple mamas not feel the way I felt, that would be amazing. And it just picked up traction. People started sharing my posts. I started getting DMs from people I knew who I had no idea struggled. And from there, the page grew and grew and grew. And we started supporting more and more parents coming up with parenting courses and workshop based off of that core idea that we need to look at parents' mental health and children's behavior. And now six years later, we have over 800,000 amazing followers. It's just wild how it's all come to be like this, but I am still so passionate about this work and I love it. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful story. And One, I didn't want to even interrupt you when you were telling us that this is your first podcast coming back after having another little one. Congratulations. That is such wonderful, wonderful news. And we are honored to be, you know, your first podcast back. And two, like, wow. I mean, I can completely relate. I started in the mom and baby world, going to births and helping women in 2011 and way before I had babies. And people were like, wait, you didn't you didn't have a baby and then got inspired to do what you're doing. And I'm like, no. So I love meeting other women who are like, yes, I've been doing this before I even had little babies. It gave me goosebumps. I remember being 15 and people would be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like a family therapist. Like I just always knew that this is what I wanted to do. And it wasn't something that changed. It's just the way that I do it now has so much more compassion for parents because once you are a parent, you realize how humbling it is and you just see things from a different lens. Oh, so true. So true. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that beautiful story with us. And I'm curious, like, how did your experience as a new parent, like, impact you to help parents today? I know that you said that you really looked at the lens of, you know, the mental wellness of the parent as well as the child's behavior. Is that like the main thing or is there anything else that you're like, wow, I need to do more of this or look more into this with my own clients and through social media? Totally. Yeah. I always remember myself as this first time mom. And I remember this story of 
I was going shopping for clothes with my mom. My mom and I have a, a great relationship. And for that, I know I'm very privileged and thankful for. She said, Jess, you know what? Let's go shopping for some clothes. Because after I had my baby, I wasn't feeling myself. I was in these old, my old sweats all the time. I just wasn't feeling like myself. So I said, okay, fine, let's go shopping. So we went shopping, but the whole time you're we shopping, my baby was just screaming. She was crying. She was screaming. I was so flustered. It was my first big outing as a brand new mom with like, let's say a six or seven week old. We went to stores that I used to like to shop at and nothing was fitting right. My old size was like just totally not what I, my current size was. And the whole day I just felt like I was in the midst of my anxiety journey. I just like, who is this person? I remember looking in the mirror being like, I just don't even know. Like, I don't even recognize this person. And I felt so much shame for that at the time. No one had ever told me I could potentially feel that way. And I was the first of my friends to have kids. So I didn't have anyone to really tell me, hey, that's actually like, I felt this way too, or that's anxiety. And I remember getting back to the car with my mom and she said, okay, honey, have a good drive home. We lived about an hour and a half apart and we had met halfway and I just started bawling. And I said, mom, like, I don't even know who I am if I look at myself anymore. And that was like the first day that I realized maybe this isn't how all moms feel and maybe I can get help and not necessarily feel this way every single day. And I think back to that day all the time when I'm running Our Mama Village. And I think so much of being a new parent impacts everything I do today because I know that feeling to feel like I'm the only one to have gone through this. I'm the only one to feel this level of shame. And as my kids get older, you find that with different stages of your life, it's a learning and a growing process over and over again. So I would say to answer your question, how did being a new parent impact how I help parents today? I have this compassion and I always have this like visualization of this mama who's just having a hard time in my mind. And I'm speaking to them. I'm speaking to them when I get troll comments on my stories. I'm speaking to them when, when I am talking about discipline or potentially that they yelled at their kids. And it always comes from this lens of self of compassion so that hopefully they can have some compassion for themselves too. Oh my gosh. And please ignore those trolls. We love what you're doing, Jess. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. Had a lot of angry people yesterday. So, but you know what? I can handle it because yeah, I'm always thinking about that mom who just needs what we're saying. And so for me, the trolls can I just kind of let that roll off me. Good for you. I love it. And something that we hear you talk about, and I love for you to kind of explain to us and our listeners a little bit more, like how would you define emotional healthy, that term emotionally healthy to somebody? Yeah. Emotional health is really about what we think and what we feel. And so for me to describe emotionally healthy is we are able to think and feel all of our emotions. It's not about being happy all the time. I think that's a myth that comes into play when we talk about emotional health is someone who's smiling and happy all the time. In fact, it's being able to sit with and feel comfortable with all the different emotions that a person might have. So whether that's my toddler being angry at not having the pink bowl and trying to teach her that it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to hit. That's where we're teaching emotional health. Or it's me feeling like I'm struggling in new parenthood or even parenthood as a third time mom and being able to say, these emotions are okay. It's okay for me to struggle and I can work towards coping. So for me, emotional health is allowing all those feelings and working towards coping with them in healthy ways. I love that. 
Because I think it's so important for us to have a good understanding of what that is for us to get to like the root of raising a respectful and loving child. So thank you for giving us that definition. And and in your opinion, like why is emotional health so important for not only the children, but for the parents as well? Absolutely. I think that they're both so important for parents and for children. That is really how we relate with the world around us. Every person is going to have emotions and lots of them every single day of their lives. We know with our kids, I have a toddler, she has a ton of emotions, sometimes all at the exact same time or within the same minute. And for me as a parent, I do too. Like I wake up, I'm like, great, I'm waking up for the day and then my baby's crying and then I have a feeling about that and then I'm hungry and then I have feelings about that. Like we all have so many feelings every day. So emotional health is something that we should all be thinking about because how we relate to and deal with our feelings is going to impact pretty much every aspect of our lives. And that's why it's so important for me to be talking to parents about how do we help ourselves with our emotional health and how do we help our kids? Because it it just plays into everything that we do. That's so true. That's so true. And I feel like With everything that you're saying, I'm sure that this is a discussion that you have with your child. How do you kind of introduce this or do you introduce it to your child about emotional health and how to take care of that? Because I also think that, especially new parents, we're always the last one on the list. We're always thinking of our children first and the mile long to-do list of everything that needs to get done and kind of putting ourselves in the backseat. Like, How do you make sure that both mom and dad or mom and mom or whoever the parents are and the child still be emotionally healthy? Like what can we be mindful of? Yeah. I like to think about it less as it's this one conversation we have with our child and more as a way of living with our child and with ourselves too, because I think it's kind of reminds me of self-care. Like if we think of self-care as I have to have this bubble bath or I don't have self-care, like I'm sure you can relate to that too or I have to get my nails done, or I haven't done self-care, well, then when we don't do it, or we don't have that conversation about emotional health, and we just think, well, then it's off the table, I guess I'm not engaging in self-care. A similar kind of thing where I think about it actually with our kids as a way of life, and something that we start teaching them super early on. So I have three kids. I have a six-month-old, a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, and an almost six-year-old. And the way I have helped them with their emotional health has started when they were babies. So it starts with A, taking care of yourself as a parent and tuning in with your own emotional needs. So as a first-time mom that was struggling, taking care of my emotional health was the best thing I could ever do for my baby. So going to therapy, getting the support I needed, talking to people about my mental health, that was the best thing I could have ever done for her emotional well-being because I needed to take care of myself first. But it starts with the way we name their emotions how we allow them to have emotions starting in those early toddlerhood years and baby years and working with them through modeling through our own behavior, how to respond to big feelings. So I think it's less of we're going to have this one conversation or we're going to approach it this one time. Of course, we're going to have those conversations, but it's more of a way of life with our children. I love that. That's so true. And When it comes to emotional health, I think that we needed to address that to also go into the next aspect of like respect. And what is the best way for us parents to teach our children about respect? The best way to teach our children respect, I think, is through modeling it to them. And I know that just sounds super simple, but it's not. 
so many of the parents that I've worked with or we see at our practice or I talk to in our mama village literally every day, they didn't grow up with being respected as a child. And that's what I was talking about earlier, the reparenting, which just seems to come into everything I talk about. But so many of us weren't raised with respect. And as children, we were told, you know, children are seen but not heard, or you have to respect your elders, but I'm going to teach you that through punishing you, through yelling at you so that you feel scared enough to treat me with what looks like respect, but it's actually fear. So when I say to parents, the best way to teach your child respect is to treat them with respect, that can actually take a lot of work to be able to get to the point where we can do that. And so a lot of that is reflecting on your own experiences and thinking about what respect really means to you now and what it is that you're looking for for your child when you're hoping that your child will be respectful. And I think only through that reflection can we kind of get to that point where we can model that respect to our kids and teach our kids respect. Does that make sense or am I just rambling on? No, 100% because I was just going to say like so many of us grew up with, you know, our parents using those fear tactics and domination on us to enforce and demand respect. And you're right. It's not respect. It's fear. I mean, I guess I knew that, but it didn't really click. And you're like, oh, you're right. That wasn't true respect. That was just fear and like submission. So yeah, I'm curious, like how can we help our children learn at a young age to have respect for others, their elders, their possessions, the planet and themselves in like a healthy way rather than the ways that (laughs) we've maybe been (laughs) introduced as a child because that's not healthy, those fear tactics. So yeah, what are some healthy ways to teach them about that besides modeling it? Because that's a great one, but I want to know if you have any other nuggets of wisdom. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So modeling will always be the first thing I say because children are little sponges and they want to be in good relationship with their parents. So if they see that their parents are acting a certain way, the children are going to be like, okay, so this is how I act. And this is how I treat the world around me because I've learned this now from my parent who I love and I desire to be in relationship with. So modeling, yes, is our first thing. This is not like the most super tangible tip. I'll get to some of those, but also building a relationship with your child, like having a trusted caregiver that your child knows I trust my parent. They're always going to be there for me. So I feel I can just truly be my authentic self and I don't need to compete for their attention or try and get connection with them through hitting or biting or kicking because I already have that and I feel nourished and nurtured in our love and our relationship for each other. That actually will teach them how to respect the world around them. And that's what we know to be true about kids is that the number one thing that they need and they crave and they desire is relationship with their parents. And out of that, everything flows. So that's not a quick tip, which a lot of people love, uh, which I'll give you some of those, but that's like the core of everything that we do here at Our Mama Village. I love that because that's what I tell people. I say, you know what? At the end of the day, if what you're doing with your children is rooted in love, like you're probably doing a good job. Like if it's all rooted with that, like with love and desire to care for them, like you're probably doing just fine. (laughs) Yeah. Parents are doing so much better than they think they are. I really believe that. I think we're so hard on ourselves. And I know in this 
like even compared to six years ago, before I started with Our Mama Village, like now there's so much tips and scripts and, and so much information. And I think it's amazing, but also it can be really overwhelming. It can feel like to a parent, ah, I have to follow these five steps so that I teach my kids respect. When in reality, like you said, that love, love is enough. Like coming from that loving relationship with you, everything stems from that. And if a child is not being respectful or is not treating elders or peers or other people with respect, my first thing would always be nurture them, like come back, nurture the relationship, connect with them, play unicorns with them, do whatever gets on their level. And from there, everything else will flow. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was just going to ask you, like, if you find your child struggling with this, you know, maybe their teacher is saying like, hey, they're not being respectful, this and that. I was going to say like, do you have any resources or tips that you recommend? But I love that, like going back to nurturing that relationship. What is it, that quote that says, the children that need your love the most ask for it in the most unhealthy ways. So that's just like a cry for help for saying like, hey, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your love so that I can spread love and respect as well. Am I right or am I totally wrong? (laughs) You are right on it. I love it. Yes. First, we need to nurture them. I think that's just a good call to action for us to do with our children is to tune in with them, nurture them, get on that relationship level. I tune in with that always first with any parent that we're working with at our practice or at our mama village. The second thing that I do tune into is expectations and boundaries. So children have a high need for warmth and love, but they also have a high need for control and boundaries. And when we're dealing with, especially these littler toddlers, they don't have logical brains. And so they don't have the ability to think in a moment, hmm, is this a good decision? Is this a bad decision? Especially, I I think about like a baby, like a 10-month-old who's like, oh, I see a plug in an outlet. Like, I'm going to crawl over there. That looks like fun. And I'm going to unplug it. Or I see a plant and I'm going to try and knock it over just because they don't have the ability to kind of think through a problem. And so... Along with the nurturing, which is always first, the second thing is, does our child know the boundaries? Do they know the expectations? Is there a place that maybe we need to be clear or firm about our boundaries to help keep them safe and engaging with the world around them with respect? So the boundaries piece is also a key piece that I get parents to tune into if they just feel like kind of feeling like I'm losing control of my child or my home. It's where are these boundaries and how can we, in a loving way, put those in place to protect your child? So answer that for me. How can we, in a loving way, (laughs) put up these boundaries? Because I feel like a lot of parents, especially when they're trying to love on their child and build that relationship, it can be difficult for them to, I mean, they'll say no and the child will really test that boundary. (laughs) And after a while, parents can be like, you know what? What was that meme that we saw and reshared? It was like, my child wanted popsicles for breakfast. So we compromised and he had popsicles for breakfast. (laughs) Like, you know, you just like give up at a certain point because you're just so tired. So how can we in a loving way be firm in those boundaries? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. Okay, I could talk about boundaries forever, but I'll try and give some quick tips for you. The first thing that I tell parents to do when it comes to boundaries is think about what are your house rules or what I call them negotiables and non-negotiables. So what are those things in your house that are your 
firm boundaries. Those are the things that you're not going to waver on. So it might be something like hitting. In our home, we don't hit. Hands are not for hitting. We treat each other with kindness. And then you might have negotiables. And those are things like most days for breakfast, we have oatmeal or cereal or whatever, eggs and bacon, whatever you want to have. Some days a child might request a popsicle or leftover pizza, and we're actually flexible. That's negotiable. That's not something that we feel like fighting on today, and we can be flexible with a child because maybe some days I want to have leftover pizza for breakfast too, and we can be flexible with that. So I think for parents, we come into parenthood and we're just in it, right? Especially the toddler years, all of a sudden your baby turns into a toddler. It's like, when did that even happen? And now they're having all of these challenging behaviors. And so I help parents take that step back and think of what are those negotiables and what are those non-negotiables? The non-negotiables, you're always going to hold firm to that boundary. For example, hitting. It's not actually loving to allow your child to just go ahead and hit their sibling. They don't want to do that. I truly believe no child wants to hit or to hurt their sister or their brother, but sometimes their impulses just get in the way and they can't control it. So the most loving thing that we can do in that moment is step in and say, I can't let you hit. If you're going to keep hitting, I have to hold your hands or I have to take you outside this room to help your body be calm. And that is loving. And that's holding that non-negotiable boundary that you have as a family that your child knows about ahead of time. And then there's places like popsicles for breakfast where it's like, you know what? I'm actually okay with this. I'm going to allow it today because this can be negotiable. And every family is going to have their different rules based on their culture and their upbringing and their expectations for their kids. But it's really important to tune back in with that. I love that. Oh, and I so appreciate it because I think it's just parents are like, it can be exhausting all of the emotions that our children can exhibit in the matter of seconds, you know. <laughs> and when it accumulates over minutes and minutes and minutes, you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I wave the white flag, I surrender. But then your partner's like, this is why they keep doing it because you give in. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it can be a battle. But again, back to the emotions, you know, I've heard you say that the hardest part of being a parent is really regulating your own emotions. And I believe that to be so true. Like what tips do you have for staying calm in parenthood and why is that important? Oh yeah, it's so true. We've talked to hundreds of thousands of parents now and it's, that's the theme that always comes up, right? It's, And there's a few reasons why. I think one reason why it's so hard for parents to regulate their emotions is because we ourselves are dysregulated. We are tired. We are hungry. Parenthood, and I always say motherhood, is physical. Like it's this physical thing where, especially I know a lot of the people who listen to you are new moms or moms-to-be and you're breastfeeding or you're nursing, you're sleep-deprived, and it's this physical toll on you too. And now you're expected to regulate with your toddler who's screaming at you because this is just an example. This morning, my husband threw my daughter's dog down the stairs, like her stuffed dog, her stuffed animal dog, just gently. He's trying to get her ready for preschool and just kind of tossed it down the stairs. And now he has to co-regulate for 15 minutes with her because she's so mad and her poor dog is ouchies. And he's tired. He's trying to get to work on time. And of course, it makes so much sense that it's hard for us to regulate because we're dealing with illogical children who are crying about their stuffed dogs, toes being sore. So that's one reason it's so hard. And then I think another reason it's so hard for parents to regulate is that we're bumping up against our own triggers. 
So like we talked about earlier, we all grew up with these different childhood experiences and different things that brought us into parenthood. And now we're in the situation, let's say with my husband and the stuffed doggy this morning, where for him, what might be coming up is, wow, if I was a toddler and I yelled and screamed at my parent this way, my parents would have yelled and screamed right back at me and told me that this is not an acceptable emotion. It's not okay to be so mad about a dog. It's silly. It's ridiculous. And so then he has to navigate around. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. I haven't even had my coffee yet being screamed at by a toddler. And if I had said this, my parents would have yelled and screamed at me. That's a lot for a parent to all be working through in the matter of of seconds. And then to find that piece of calm to be able to regulate with their toddler. So it makes a lot of sense that it's very difficult to do this. Some of the tips that I give to parents are imagining that your child's yells are just bouncing off of you. That's something that I feel really helps me when I have that happening. So I don't internalize it. I imagine I have like a shield or like a yell proof vest on. It's just like bouncing off me. So I don't have to internalize all of their yells. What helps me too, as a highly sensitive parent is taking sensory breaks during the day. So I'll just go to the bathroom. We would always tell our clients this, turn off the lights, sit in the dark for like two minutes in the bathroom, just a little sensory break, just to get me through the rest of the day or the rest of the hour, depending on the day. Uh, Taking those deep breaths, trying to tune back in with my own body, reminding yourself if you are a parent who's been through really challenging or traumatic childhood, I'm not a child right now. I am not a child being yelled at by my parents. I'm actually, let's say I'm 35 years old. I'm standing in my kitchen. This is my children and I'm in control of my emotions right now. So some of those grounding tools can be helpful too. I'm not sure if that's what you were looking for, but I hope that that helps. This is, this is so helpful. I totally appreciate it because I think, again, in those moments of big emotions and regulating our own emotions in those big emotions and realizing that all of that comes together to build that good relationship with your child to then have a loving and respectful child. I think it like all goes together. And that's why I thought it was so important for us to discuss all of that because I think you know, we all want to raise a happy, loving, respectful child. And and at times this can feel easier said than done. <laughs> so yeah, Jess, like you've given us so many helpful tips. Do you have any other suggestions to offer parents to connect with their children and teach them how to navigate these feelings and develop emotionally? Again, going back to that emotional health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have so many tips I could give parents, but I can break it down to a few. So like we talked about earlier, relationship in these early years is everything. And children, preschoolers and toddlers are rooted in relationship with their parents. And when they have this feeling of attachment with their parent, then they can make sense of the world around them through there. But I think what happens right now is, again, we have so much information at our fingertips and it can feel like in order to make an attached relationship with my child, I need to attachment parent, which is a very different thing than having an attached relationship. So parents can feel like I have to baby wear, I have to co-sleep, or I have to be like instantaneously responsive to all my child's needs, which can be really hard. And I say to parents, especially parents of multiple kids, 
when you have multiple kids, you haven't grown multiple laps for cuddling your kids or like you're not an octopus with all these different limbs and you can take care of everybody at the same time. So to nurture that relationship with your child looks like doing it imperfectly. And I think parents need to have that grace for themselves as they are nurturing their relationship with their child to know that it's okay if I don't do this perfectly. It's okay if I did yell at my child, I can come back and repair. That's nurturing the relationship. That's showing your child that you are in a loving and attached relationship. It's okay to have your baby might be crying and you're dealing with your toddler and you say to your baby, I'm going to be right back. I'm there. I hear you crying and they're in their crib and they're safe. And you're with your toddler for a moment and you're consoling your toddler. You're teaching emotional health through that. So I think for me, what I really like to do with parents is just really strip it all back to what really matters most. And that's relationship and that's relationship done imperfectly. So that would be my main advice for parents is tuning in with your child, focusing on repair. If you are triggered and you do yell, acknowledging your own emotions in that it's okay for me to be angry. It's not okay for me to yell at you and same back for your children. But above and beyond all of that, having that compassion for yourself. So beautiful, Jess. You make this just sound so much easier than it can be. But I think that, again, by following you and having our listeners learn more about this, they can. I think that the more that we're surrounded by this and these ideas of, hey, things can be different and we can reparent ourselves and have a different outcome, hopefully for our children is such an empowering thing. And so thank you for all of that. Any final thoughts or just, you know, words that you'd like to leave our listeners? Yeah. I always want to thank you so much for having me on here. This has been such an amazing discussion. I feel like we've covered a lot in a short period of time. (laughs) Yeah, we have. (laughs) There's so, so much more to uncover here, but I kind of want to talk to that parent who's hearing this maybe for the first time, because I know you have a lot of moms who might be listening first time moms or moms of those younger babies. And they're hearing these words like reparenting and triggers. And it might feel a little bit overwhelming. Like, what are we talking about here? Just to say that this experience of becoming a parent can bring up a lot of those childhood experiences for the first time ever. I remember when Scott, my husband and I, we first became parents We thought we had dealt with a lot of this stuff that had happened in the past, especially for him. He had been through a lot of trauma in his past. And then you become a parent and all of a sudden it all comes back up for the first time. And on all the topics we're talking about today can come back up, especially when you first become a parent or you become a parent a second time or a third time. And you think you've processed it and then your child is screaming at you and a memory comes back up or you're feeling really overwhelmed in the shopping mall and you're struggling. And so I just want to say to that parent that you're not alone if you're feeling like this is really overwhelming and I didn't expect all these new feelings to come up in parenthood for me. I want that parent to know that there are tools and there are support out there. I think therapy, obviously I'm a therapist, so I'm biased, but I think therapy is an amazing way to get that support that you need. And also there is a lot of support Even in our courses, we talk about reparenting probably in every single one of them just because it's such a big topic, but that you're not the only one feeling that way. Because I remember when we were first-time parents and we were like, man, are we the only ones who feel this anxiety, feel like, oh my goodness, we have this pressure to break these cycles and we don't 
we want to raise our kids to be emotionally healthy, but it just feels like a big weight to carry. So I just want that mom to know that she's not alone and that she can get support and she can break these cycles. And I am just excited for her and her family. Oh, Jess, thank you so much. This was just oh, so wonderful. Now our listeners need to know where they can find you. Where do we go to find you? <laughs> you can find me at Our Mama Village everywhere. So Instagram is the main place I hang out. We have posts that come out almost daily on there on all these topics. So we talk about reparenting. We talk about raising kids to be emotionally healthy, triggers. We talk about specific challenging behaviors on our Instagram page, Our Mama Village. And then uh, through there, you can find our online courses. We have courses that cover everything from big picture parenting to boundaries and separation anxiety. And we have a whole amazing list of courses and workshops that can support parents into helping them find parenting easier and more enjoyable. We love that. Thank you so much, Jess. This was just so much fun. And like you said, just a packed full of helpful information in a short period of time. So I'm excited for our listener to also go and find you and get more information via that way. But just thank you so much again for sharing your knowledge with all of us. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me on this podcast. It's been awesome to talk to you. And thank you for letting me share about all my favorite things. This was so much fun. Of course. And give those babies big hugs for us and for our listeners out there to learn more about Jess and her work. As she said, you can visit her on her website at ourmamavillage.com or on Instagram at ourmamavillage. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comment section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to raising respectful, loving children in a way that makes you feel good.